Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Welcome. Today's topic, what type of alternative medicine suits you? An introduction to integrative health. So today we're going to talk about different methods of healing that we have had personal experience with, whether it's something that we practice or perform or have just had experience with for fun. And then how that works in kind of integrating into the healthcare system, how all of these fun things kind of work together as integrative health. So obviously yoga is our number one, I think, for both of us to improve strength, mobility, to reduce stress, promote mindfulness, self-reflection and awareness. And so when I say yoga, I think of yoga as all eight limbs of all practices. So my yoga practice includes my ethical precepts. It includes my physical practice. It includes my breathing practice, my meditation practice, my contemplation practice. So it encompasses all of those things. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I think there's a diverse complexity to yoga therapy and the simplicity of it is probably the most difficult aspect I think as our podcast continues to grow and we continue to grow with the podcast that we'll be teasing out all these layers throughout our our podcast progression. Agree. So in addition to the physical practice, breath practice, meditation, philosophical, you were kind of bringing up yoga as a somatic practice using that in conjunction with CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. So, you know, somatic, we can look at it either from bottom up, which refers to processing a sensory information as it comes in, or top down refers to the perception that it's driven by cognition. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had shared, I think, in a couple episodes that, you know, I do therapy. And, you know, in therapy, I'm challenging my thought patterns, my belief systems, and so from that, like I'll, I'll have a therapy session and then I, you know, usually record them and I re-listen to them to kind of integrate what I had learned in that therapy session. And I take a somatic experience to it then, meaning, you know, I allow myself to go into shapes that I feel I need at the time. So maybe I feel like in this particular one, I want a heart opener, maybe another one I want to be more restorative in a Shavasana, supported Shavasana routine and, and allow my body to kind of go through a sensory process. So you're embodying like physical asana, even if it's like a restorative shape as you listen to the recording of like a discussion. So you're almost like reprocessing it. Yes. And then reprocessing it in the physical body. Yeah. That's because really awesome. the first so, time I'm kind of more cognitively there, right. Sure. As I'm going through it. And so this time I can have more of a physical embodied session. 
That's actually kind of awesome. I really like that. The yeah. idea of that. It's taking my self-study to a different level. Nice. Well, that's what we're all about here. <laughs> <laughs> taking that self-study to a different level. Yeah. Taking our health to a different level. That's really awesome. My yoga practice is a little more traditional, but I definitely can see where that would be helpful. And I, I might try that. I like the idea of that. I definitely take things that if something was heavy and I worked with it in therapy to the mat for sure. Mm -hmm. Sometimes stuff gets to the mat first. And so <laughs> then I can process it and take <laughs> it to the therapist and be like, I was really thinking while I was doing my practice that this, so that's interesting. Other types of body work. So my favorite not that yoga is not my favorite, because it is, but my favorite of all time is massage. Not giving it, but receiving it. <laughs> <laughs> I respond well to touch. I feel like, like we, as we were talking about somatic response before, I feel like I have a good response and a good connection within my body. So that when I am having body work done, specifically massage, then I find a tremendous amount of relief, not just with aches and pains, but a relief and stress mm -hmm. and a general feeling of detoxification and of letting things go. I want this to include, as we kind of talk about this a little bit, myofascial release as well. So which... So I've experienced, a, you know, I had a physical trauma. I've mm -hmm. had some emotional traumas. And so I have dabbled in what I call have termed body workers um, mm -hmm. in many modalities. So I've had things like deep tissue massage, trigger point therapy, Thai massage, reflexology, rolfing, hello worker, uh, muscle activation therapy. Mm -hmm. And I think each time that I explored them, they served a purpose sure. of what I needed at the time. I have since landed for my routinely body worker is someone who is trained in multiple modalities. She also understands the traumas that I have been through. And what she does is she kind of blends these modalities together to what I need in that time. Matter of fact, I've even started wearing my poon wrap with her, which allows me to get deeper in to a deeper level of listening since I've removed two of my senses and it kind of repressurizes the so cranium. So that's, that's the wrap that goes around the head and the eyes and the ears yes. to kind of cut you off and almost make a sensory deprivation of your upper, yeah. <laughs> the top of the crown of your, Which your being. Is, yeah, and it's really allowed me to drop in more. And, you know, I've been able to notice like, oh, you know, she's working on my quads right now. And I, I feel like my initial thing is to push her out and then to notice what emotions and thoughts went with that nervous system activation. And she's patient enough, you know, to kind of hang out there, wait, give me that moment to process it and then move deeper into the tissue. And, and I'm seeing my tissues are becoming more, more supple. That's pretty awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> and another thing that I would mind giving a try. I get regular deep tissue. I've had time massage. It's just some of the things that you mentioned. The one, the one thing that I haven't done is the rolfing because that I hear is pretty intense, right? Oh, gosh. It was very intense. And when I, my mentor, when I was learning classical Pilates, 
because you do so many free teaching hours, right, (laughs) had gifted me a series of rolfing, and it was a wonderful gift at the time. And I I have to say, what they did actually held in my body for years, but I am not a violent person, Mm -hmm. but when he was working on my body, there were many times that I was like, if you didn't just have me here, I think I would get up and run out of the room, or, you know, it was very intense. But I, I have experienced Heller work, And heller work is kind of that same structural myofascial releasing. Mm -hmm. I actually, if I had to weigh rolfing and heller work, I bonded more with heller workers because it's kind of like a blend of rolfing, but also putting that emotional component to it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I need the blend of both. Okay. I respect both pieces of work, but just for me personally, I have found heller work to be more integrative And a little more powerful. Yeah. Nice. Just one last point with touch therapy before we move on. You mentioned how long something stuck with you. And I find myofascial work tends to last a little longer than just a deep tissue massage or just a relaxing spa <laughs> the know, fluff and buff, I the, like to the call. The fluff and buff. <laughs> um, I find that, you know, myofascial and really moving with my tissues and, and taking the time to really feel and for things to move mm-hmm. when they move through the body and to kind of release things tends to last a little longer with me. You know, those long sweeping movements in the rhythm, I like to call them the fluff and buff because they don't get very deep. To me, those work when I just want to go out with my friend and have kind of a stress fear reducing thing. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm actually doing a detox, Mm -hmm. uh, I find that that works better. But when I'm trying to, you know, change my structure or, or get into old scar tissue, things like that, then I find the other modalities work better for sure. me. Sure, yeah. Same stress reduction. I, I feel like, you know, the fluff and buff is nice, but it doesn't give me that <sighs> I feel better kind of moment, that uh, deeper part of modality would. So moving from touch therapies to nutrition as preventative medicine, relief from aches and pains, and detoxification – We actually spent quite a lot of time talking about this over lunch today. (laughs) I have to confess, as we ate not very healthy food, (laughs) we had a conversation about how we typically eat healthy and the different ways to do that and how nutrition affects us. Yes, yeah. And also how it's a negative coping strategy as, uh, once again, we were eating french fries. Um, (laughs) Organic french fries. (laughs) Right. But still french fries. Yeah, still french Um, fries. (laughs) That it was that, you know, when you're in a stressful situation, as you are when you're trying to rock out some podcasts and uh, making yourself vulnerable and kind of doing some new stuff, and exposing yourself in a way that maybe you haven't before, that that comfort food, (laughs) how do you make the best choices (laughs) for that comfort food? But additionally, knowing that you're still not going to feel as great as if you, if we'd have gone out for green smoothies today, (laughs) as opposed to the French fries, we were very cognitively aware Mm -hmm, (laughs) that mm -hmm. we were making the stress-based choice. But at the same time, I think nutrition, it to me, is huge in 
preventative medicine for me. It's huge in helping me deal with stress. It's huge in helping me manage physically how I feel. I mean, I can just know how things are going to impact me if I eat poorly versus if I eat well and plan ahead. Yeah. And, you know, I've done Chinese medicine. I've done intuitive eating. I've also met with nutritionists. So what you're speaking about is really intuitive eating, getting in touch with how hungry am I? Mm -hmm. Am I at neutral? How full am I? Also, what foods do I put in my body and how does that affect my energy level? So all foods are good unless it's something you're allergic to, right? That's the only time a food becomes not good for you. And it's being able to look at how much fuel do I need to put in my body to sustain it at the level that I want to. And then what kind of quality of foods do I want to put in? So, you know, we had talked a little bit about comfort eating. And so if you're going to choose a brownie, do you run and buy the brownie that's full of ingredients that you can't pronounce? Or do you make the brownie with at least a quality of ingredients that you know of what went in there and that intention that went in there? Sure. Well, and as you were saying, you know, well, there's no food that's a bad food. It's, you know, I was thinking, no, because there's foods that are like Franken foods that we don't really know what they are. And I, I do draw the line a little bit at whether or not those count. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't know if if they constitute as real food. Yeah, they're a caloric intake, but if they're so manufactured and man-made, you don't know what the ingredients are besides corn. Right. So <laughs> Do you know goes, what I mean? Like take a Dorito, goes back for to that example. Quality, right? What quality of fuel do Absolutely. you want to put in? Absolutely. Yeah. But the that's where, when, when you said there are no bad foods, I'm like, well, if it's not a real food, then maybe it's not good for you. It's like eating the stuffing out of a pillow. You know, well, you it, could say that's food. <laughs> it goes back to that, that Twinkie analogy. Is a Twinkie good or bad? You know, for us, probably not so good because we are fortunate enough to have access to quality foods. You know, if I'm in a situation where I don't have access to food, whether that's because of environment or income, maybe a Twinkie does is the best option because it is a caloric intake of some sort. Yeah. So I I think sometimes we get into this, you know, this is good, this is bad. This is the do list, this is the not to do list. Oh, sure. And then that takes us further away from realizing what's my felt sense when I put that in. Agree. Interoception, right. Right. So, I've also uh, worked with nutritionalists and just in general nutrition. Chinese medicine is the one thing that I have not had experience with that we had available to us while we were in school. And you did get some. You know, I we're in school, right? And so we're at the natural care clinic. And, of course, I have this philosophy where I like to walk the talk. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, you know what? I have this opportunity. I'm going to take the opportunity that presents it to me. And I'm going to learn a little bit about acupuncture, Chinese medicine. And, um, you know, I went through the Chinese medicine experience. What you don't know up front is that you'll get this little bag. And it looks like twigs, leaves, <laughs> 
petals and you're like, huh, it's not in a capsule form. It's like in the raw form. And then they give you this thing of like boil it for so many hours till it reduces, oh, drink wow. it down. And it, you know, it looks like this black sludge doesn't smell that great. And, you know, you're like, uh, okay, I've got to drink this. How much and how, and I really wanted to be able to say, this is not worth it. I see no benefit. Like I really wanted that to be the case. And instead I saw a lot of benefit and it was amazing enough that I wanted to go through that whole process of making what they call the medicine to drink. It really helped quite a bit. If you don't mind sharing, what did you... I noticed a difference in my tissues. I noticed a difference in my emotions. You know, at the time I was craving, I was eating like a pint of raspberries every single day. Like I couldn't get enough. And so, you know, raspberries, you would think fairly, but you know, it was an excess that right. I wanted that. Well, and what are you missing? That, yes. That's what you're craving, right. something specific. And like so that. That, that helped quite a bit. And then as I started to hit menopause, um, I was having a lot of skin irritations. So I noticed that it was calming down my skin irritations as well. Okay. That's really interesting. It's something that's still on my list that I want to try. Yeah, I would like to find a Chinese medicine person locally because I, I do miss it. Wonderful. Moving from there to holistic dentistry. Yeah, what's that like? I haven't experienced that. So my dentist is a holistic dentist and a sports-certified naturopathic doctor. For me, so I chose him in learning a lot about the conventional dentistry that maybe isn't. I had some dental trauma. I had a lot of experiences uh, that ended up being really negative and I really wanted to, as I had to have some further things done in my mouth, I really wanted to come at it from the most natural place possible. So our listeners can determine where they stand on the research, and I will provide it online as far as how you feel about fluoride and how you feel about amalgam fillings and those kind of things. But a, a holistic dentist doesn't use fluoride and doesn't encourage it doesn't use um, mercury or amalgam-based fillings. But additionally, the thing that I found most important about my holistic dentist is we looked at, from the very beginning, what's going on in the, the microbiome of my mouth. So what kind of bacteria is there? What kind of flora is there? What am I growing? And then how do I make it healthy? What am I eating? How can I find the things that I need to support my healthy teeth in my diet, in things that I can consume or and avoid? Additionally, when I've had mercury fillings removed, how to do that safely? Instead of just, just the suction there, sucking stuff out when you have to have like a tooth pulled or a filling refilled, there was a lot of extra precautions that went into making sure that I was safe, that the hygienist and the dentist himself was safe as they were taking the amalgam fillings out and replacing or as I was getting a tooth pulled and replaced. So it was really interesting to me to feel validated, I guess, for what I thought were some of my dental problems, to be appreciated and appreciate how much diet and nutrition are involved in a healthy mouth 
really respecting how much your dental care is related to part health and other parts of the body. And then to have just somebody that was kind of already on the same page with what it means to be healthy and non-toxic as possible. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, a lot of the man-made things that we have are great and wonderful and fantastic, but there's repercussions and sometimes we don't even know what those repercussions yeah, are we until much later. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that I practice that kind of fits in this integrative approach of different types of medicine. It's a he's alternative as far as things go, according to the insurance company. <laughs> but it's really validated me, but also helped me to not have the dental anxiety that I have. Mm-hmm. It helped me deal with the trauma. That yeah. I experienced from a couple of different things. Yeah. So additionally, we looked at energy healing. Yeah, I, I've experienced Reiki energy, mm-hmm, um, past life progression. Mm-hmm. I've done uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Oh, I've that? seen to a naturopathic doctor. You know, I actually like to do my therapy mm-hmm. and then talk with the NLP. What is so, an NLP? So, Neuro-linguistic programming. That's what NLP stands for. Okay. And so what they do is they might take something that I have worked on in therapy and kind of change the communication or change my learning style. Mm-hmm. Like your therapist might give you an affirmation to work with, but sometimes the languaging of that affirmation still keeps you stuck in the old belief system. And the NLP will make sure that it's positive and based off of. So so here's an example. I, every couple of years, make a new vision board. Okay. I love because I'm a visual learner, right? Sure. And so I have my vision board kind of around where I like to sit in my stillness for meditation. Mm-hmm. So my NLP person might take it a step further and say, what are 10 affirmations that help remind me of what I want to accomplish on my vision board. So like my latest homework was then to make a reminder of it in my phone Mm -hmm. so that our reminders usually prompt us of our just our to-do list. And so my reminders will prompt me of these affirmations because, you know, does the act of making the vision board make the vision board come true? No, but if you sit with your vision board, it helps keep in the forefront of your mind items that you want to accomplish and so then your choices start to be made around those items that you want to accomplish so it's just more consciously bringing your goals forward yes yeah i think that's a good way to look at that okay no i like that so this is something that we've just discussed in passing just many times so i am an optimist i do believe in affirmation i do believe in positive thinking i believe to a certain degree that like begets like you know Mm -hmm. the the law of attraction that you're going to attract and I've had so many moments of like serendipitous crazy things Mm -hmm. of thinking of somebody that I hadn't seen in forever and then running into them in the grocery store or something like that like the universal idea but I also am a realistic person and so sometimes I struggle with that The idea of the secret, you know what I mean? Like the, all I have to do is think about a million dollars and it's going to fall into my lap. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's the idea of the secret. I realize that there's more to it than that. But I, I too make a vision board because it's a visual way to set goals. And I like to think about 
putting things out there Mm -hmm. so that they are in my awareness. But additionally, I think it's really important, and I think this is a topic that we actually cover later, that we plan to cover later, I think it's really important that those goals have to be acted upon. You have to do the work (laughs) to get to the thing. It's great when things kind of fall in your lap. And Mm -hmm. and I like to count those blessings and have Mm -hmm. much gratitude for that. But I also like to think that along the lines, it was the intention of the goal and the setting of the goal. You know, I... I need support, right? And Mm -hmm. so I look at kind of like my talk therapy as looking at those belief systems and and where did they come from, right? And dealing with that. And then the NLP person kind of helps me create those into action steps because maybe my executive functioning isn't at the point where I'm like, okay, I've got this, but you know, how do I do that? And then I look at like my business coach holds me accountable to those action steps. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a three-step process to get me moving forward. And, and I always say the hardest person to manage is me. <laughs> right. Um, so those are just ways that I support myself in managing. Me. No, I like that. So when you were saying it's neurological linguistics, mm-hmm. one of the things that kind of jumped to mind that I th- assumed that you were going to say that you did not, but I think fits in here is like a nonviolent communication. Well, nonviolent communication is what I do with my therapist. So she is trained in Marshall Rosenberg's technique in nonviolent um, communication. And really that's looking at feelings, needs, and requests. You know, my work that I've done in autism with my clients is you you need to talk about things very simply. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm trying to simply talk about anger or sadness or happiness, the questions that I was getting from my students made me wonder, do I really even understand this? You know, I'm in my late forties and do I really understand it at its most simplistic nature? And that's what led me to seek out a therapist that was trained in that technique Mm -hmm. so that I could get a better understanding of it in myself. And in that I would be able to speak better to my clients about the simplicity of each emotion. Nice. So, but it's not tied to the neurolinguistics at all. It just seemed yeah. like when you said that, I was like, oh, that sounds like they would go <laughs> hand in hand. I have only read Rosenberg, right? Yeah, Marshall Rosenberg. Marshall Rosenberg's audiobook. <laughs> so technically didn't read it, listened to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then read. I have found like my mind gets stuck in like, if you speak to a child about feelings and needs they go yes 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 you know but as an adult we kind of get stuck on our like five here five here well there's this plethora of them to choose from but we kind of get stuck on like a little narrow amount of them the words that we use yeah the words that we use so you can think about nlp refers to uh languaging how we're using our words the language that we use in our own mind so I can see where they're very similar and you would have thought that I was going to say right. nonviolent communication. Right. Well, because nonviolent communication is kind of speaking from a place mm-hmm. that's nonviolently my favorite. Because a lot of our parables and little idioms that we use, we, we speak violently every day and we don't think about it. We say, you know, you could say feeding two birds with one seed instead yes. of killing two birds with right. one stone. Yes. It's just a, a really simple example of how you can change your language. To not be violent. But uh, that's interesting. 
I've never heard of that, and I find that that fascinating. I want to look more into the well, my friend neurolinguistics. Um, lives in uh, Sweden, and so her and I uh, work together. And Camilla comes over to the United States uh, once to twice a year, and she's held workshops in my studio. And um, I always appreciate her work. Well, that's awesome. We spoke briefly about Reiki. I have also had experience with Reiki, and it's kind of hard to explain. It's like energy healing work, I guess, mm-hmm. to kind of lay it out in layman's terms. So somebody works over you, right? It's almost a hands-off technique as well. If they do touch you, it's very lightly just kind of laying of hands. Right. As they work over you, then they are kind of using energy, reading your energy and using their energy and then directing the energy for healing, for compassion, for all of the things that. Yeah, I mean, like if you rubbed your hands together, you know how you can feel that heat. And then if you move your hands away, you can kind of feel that energy. Right. It's kind of what the Reiki practitioner is doing, right? They can feel where the energy may be blocked or shifting in your subtle energy. Sure. And I do know that there's more to it than that. I know some Reiki masters right now that are like, you're butchering the idea of what it is. Um, But to just give it, just to lay it out there simply. I know that there's more to it than that. I know that there are symbols and different things that are being projected. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I don't, hopefully I'm not jumping ahead, but each of these we're just kind of giving our own kind of superficial layer experience of it. Right. They, they do go into more in depth to the things, but I think that's kind of where sometimes we get hung up a little bit. And the integrative part is that my modality is the only way of healing. You don't understand my modality, the depth of my modality. And instead, can we start looking at integrative medicines and modalities and coming together and saying, let's make a combination of services that work for an individual. Sure, that no one is superior. Yeah. And that if something works for someone, regardless of how somebody might think of it, if it works for you in your healing, then that's what's important. And I think for us, because we're kind of sharing anecdotally our own experiences, we're very open Mm-hmm. To the idea of, you know, well, I'll give it a shot. You know, yeah. it, it couldn't hurt. Why not? Well, I need more than one modality. And, you know, that makes perfect sense if we look at the Panchamaya model, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I need more help in one of those five koshas, more than one modality. And throughout my life, I've needed a different mixture of those modalities to support sure. me in age. No, I, I absolutely agree. So we talked about Reiki. Hypnotherapy was another one. I don't know if you have much experience with that outside of our practice of Yoga Nedra, which is very much similar to hypnotherapy in that you're in a relaxed state and kind of things are suggested to you to kind of help you, which is, is very similar in being relaxed and then things being suggested and things being suggested that the emotions that you're feeling are okay or that you can integrate opposites, that kind of thing goes into a yoga nedra, oftentimes very similar to hypnotherapy. I've had hypnotherapy done therapeutically to kind of deal with a few things, and I found it to be really successful. I had just to share a little bit without going 
too far over. We're having fun with this episode. I knew before my son was born that he was going to need, he had a congenital defect that needed surgery once he was born. And so I did a little hypnotherapy just to help because I was doing my yoga practice, because I knew that it was important for me to stay positive because I felt like I'm carrying this child. Um, I want to be a healthy vessel for him. And how can I create a healthy, happy baby if I'm stressed and if I'm anxious and if I'm worried? So how do I settle in and trust a little more? And I had my yoga practice for that. I had my chanting. I had meditation. I had prayer. I had many things. Um, but I used hypnotherapy as suggestion for reducing the anxiety as well. So just being a little more calm, being a little more open to the idea that everything was going to work itself out and everything was going to be okay. And if I can brag Mm -hmm. for a minute, you know, everything was okay and everything, you know, Knockwood still is okay. And I really attribute my son's demeanor. I know this is some, some people believe that that may be predetermined. Um, and some people really believe that that is determined by what mother goes through and what, what kind of stress is going. There's two schools of thought on that, but I really think he is a really happy, healthy kid. And I think a lot of that comes from being conscious and aware of what kind of trauma I could put him through if I was super worried or let that stress and that cortisol build up (laughs) in my body and have that experience. So hypnotherapy was really helpful in that situation. A couple of others that we've touched on or that we'll touch on later. And then I want to hear about your acupuncture experience, essential oils. I think we all know aromatherapy is maybe scoffed a little as a science, but is definitely helpful. Your olfactory system and your uh, memories are tied very closely together. There's a lot of things to say about how smell and aroma affect our well-being. Even more so, essential oils in general can be used for healing. It's definitely something that... I use and participate in that I think some people scoff at and crystals may be another one. I think we're going to talk about that in a, yes. in a future episode, but those are other types of modalities, alternative modalities that can work along with other things. And then finally acupuncture, which is something that I don't have uh, experience with, but you do. So tell me about that. I dearly loved my acupuncturist. She was lovely. You know, one of the things about trying all these different modalities is we're all speaking a very common language, but we have different vocabularies of how we get to it. Mm -hmm. And I found, you know, needles were not my thing. And uh, my acupuncturist said, think of them as cat whiskers. And I was like, oh, cat whiskers, you know, little cat is nice and soft. Less pliable, right? Yeah. (laughs) So as my cat whiskers went in to my body, I look at my eyes a lot. And so after the end of the session, I could see clearing in my eyes. It got to the point where I liked knowing the story behind the acupuncture points. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I would have several needles in, but my acupuncturist would pick a point that she thought was poignant to the, the theme of her treatment that day. And she would read me 
kind of the um, spiritual meaning behind that. And I found that really interesting. But yeah, I mean, you heard a lot of my stories right after, you know, and I was like, oh, today they took a stick and they did heat on my, you know, fingers or my toes to see if I was balanced left or right because I had had a physical injury that, you know, had an imbalance there. Right. Or, you know, one day I think I came out, I was like, they lit my belly button they on fire, right? belly button on fire. I, that is the one thing that I'm like, whenever anybody talks about acupuncture, I'm like, did they light your belly button on fire? My friend had this experience. Yeah, so they would take some herbs, right? And kind of, you know, they, they look like little cones and they would light them on fire so that the so oil like an would... incense cone? Yes. Nice. Similar, yeah. You could, similar to that. And the oils would absorb down in and, you know, your umbilical cord is the center of your being and, and that kind of thing. But oh, I, I since I was so naive to the acupuncture experience, everything that happened, I was like, what? We're going to do what? <laughs> right. Well, not only that, it took a lot of trust. Well, and how interesting, this is complete side note and off, but how interesting that so many protocols for uh, safety, safety first, yes. use, <laughs> use those uh, LED candles when you're teaching yoga in the clinic, but you can set someone's belly button on fire right. and that's and you okay. Can send, you know, there's the, <laughs> these sticks that they would use to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's, that's really interesting. Do you feel like that, that what you went in for, that it was successful. Like, I know for some people, like, if you're doing acupuncture to quit smoking and you quit smoking, obviously that's, like, a very cut and dry. Mm-hmm. If you're working with an emotional issue or healing some grief or different things like that, I'm, I'm sure it's very different. Mm-hmm. But did you find that it, to use air quotes, worked? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I like to do wellness. And I knew that it was a period of time when I was under additional stress and I knew that I needed to up my support in order to keep my immune system at a level that would keep me healthy. So very quickly I learned in our first trimester of grad school, I was going to need the extra support. And I feel like that additional support is what kept me grounded in the ability to juggle all the things that I needed to juggle. Right. And I'm a year off of not having an acupuncturist simply because I'm not going to Maryland all the time to that acupuncturist. (laughs) And to my acupuncturist's credit in Maryland, she did help me troubleshoot and find three people in my local area that I need to go interview. And I have not prioritized that. But it's at a level now where I'm noticing that I'm missing it. And I'm seeing some things change within my body that I'm like, ooh, I need to get back to acupuncture. I've got to prioritize interviewing those people. Nice. I like that. So as we wrap up today's episode, I think the takeaway, you know, is that everything can be integrated into one, that integrative medicine looks like everyone looking and helping each other. So we talked about some alternative methods today. I want to make it clear that integrative medicine also includes all of the different modalities in medicine. So if you're working with a yoga therapist and a physical therapist and a craniosacral craniosacral therapist and and a talk therapist, that an integrative part of your health is that ideally they would all have some sort of way to access one another if they needed to or to work together or that someone or something kind of pulls them, even if it's you as as the um, patient, pulls all of those things together. So I really appreciated you sharing your experiences. I had fun sharing mine. 
We want to know about our listeners. This is our first real big opportunity on how to, on reaching out to you. We want to know what's been successful for you. What have you tried? Is there anything new or interesting that we haven't touched on? Has our podcast so far been helpful and interesting and expanding your knowledge of yoga therapy and integrative health education in general? We'd love your feedback. So please find us on Facebook, uh, Where the Lotus Grows. Instagram, again, Where the Lotus Grows. You can come to our website. And we're hoping to have an interactive forum up shortly so that we have even more places where you can interact with us and give us information and feedback. So thanks so much for listening. Next week's topic, we're going to talk about some musculoskeletal conditions. So getting back into the Anamaya Kosha. And then again, through Pranamaya, we're going to just work our way back through the five Koshas again. And then throw an extra fun bonus episode in there. And just kind of working through the different layers from different aspects. We look forward to seeing you on social media and be on the lookout for exciting extra content opportunities coming soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com, Where the Lotus Grows on Instagram and Facebook, or Twitter, Where the Lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one. Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.